Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott. So welcome back. Um, this is our second podcast, our little view on the world. Uh, I'm Richard Bott. I'm with Kat Empey, my co-host. Hello. Um, so for those of you who haven't joined us before, thank you for joining us now. Uh, and welcome back if you if you heard the last one. Um, just a little bit about ourselves just to cover that. We will stop doing this after we've done a few of them so people get to know who we are. Uh, we are both um, racing drivers and we are both professional high performance driver coaches. Um, so we, we talk about cars and driving motorsport constantly. So we thought we would um, share it with the world a little bit. Um, that's kind of where we come from with our little podcast. So, so Kat then, so what is it you love most about driving? Good question, actually. Um, I don't. I actually don't think that's very easy to answer because I think uh, there's a number of things really. Uh, I got a, attracted really more from the competition side, I suppose, and cars themselves and everything initially, um, because I got into racing before I could drive, so I didn't know how it felt or anything like that. Um, so that certainly was what lured me in was motorsport cars so it's competing rather than driving at at that point until I could drive and then um, I started karting uh, only indoor karting initially and the first time I was quite slow actually and timid and drove around and I was annoyed because like pretty much all my friends were quicker than me (laughs) and I thought oh that's all changed now perhaps perhaps I'm not really destined for this but then I went back again and um yeah I suddenly sort of found confidence in myself with it and I I think it was the adrenaline the buzz um but over time you know to the point now for me driving it's it's everything getting it right I think um being so at one with something that is happening subconsciously um and I know it sounds tough and I say this to people but it's quite therapeutic when you get it right and you're on a track and well it doesn't have to be a track obviously it could be on the road either or but for me especially when it's on a track and everything's happening incredibly quickly but it doesn't feel like it and no. um and i guess it's you get a chance to escape don't you really yeah because you can't focus on anything else absolutely yeah. absolutely what about yourself well for me i like the feel of it when it's all flowing which is pretty much what you've said really um to misquote paul newman um it's the only time i feel as though i've got any grace because <laughs> 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 don't have a lot the rest of the time um, you know, when everything's <laughs> when everything's sort of flowing together and the cars working the way you want to do, whether that's driving, just driving nicely on the roads, not particularly quickly, or whether it's trying to you know let, get your lap times down. Yeah. Um, that that feeling of working with the car and feeling it alive underneath you is is the is, it's that really that and the freedom it gives you. I think. Yeah. That was always a thing as a child was that you you, well, you can get in a car and just go off in your own little world. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's where, for me, it was a bit different, I suppose. I was more attracted to the, the sport before yes. driving itself, I suppose, because, you know, being so young, I didn't really know how that would feel. So, mm. um, so how did you yeah. end up being a driver coach then? Um, the, this is going to probably sound really bad now, but it was going to my first thought, so I fell into it a bit. <laughs> um, but then that yeah. probably isn't the best thing to say. But it's, it's honest in some respects, um, since first and foremost my biggest passion is is driving and racing and um 
that side of it. But like many of us um, in the sport, if if you aren't able to, to do that full time, you look at other ways of being involved in the industry and sharing that passion with others, really. So, um, I mean, I naturally started doing some, well, coaching is probably a very loose term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was 17. Right um, now. Yeah, in, now. exactly. Uh, yeah, shouting at people. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah not really teaching. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when I was 17, I, I, I started working at Thruxton alongside racing. Um, that must be a scary place to sit with people. And I think Ben McLaughlin was there, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... Would Rob Newell have been there Probably, as well? Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't really know them back then. But, um, yeah, oh, it well, it, it was actually. But I think, um, I don't know. When I say it was, I don't know. Even though it was obviously incredibly quick, or is a very, very quick track, I don't know if it was that scary because the type of cars we were in, the sort of stuff we were doing, you know, that kind of stuff, people didn't have long in a car yeah. before they moved into another car. And they're not trying to take the back section flat are they I suppose no and we would do a passenger ride at the end and yeah so so yeah but so that's where it sort of started um and that was really just to make some money on the side and you know alongside racing and things and then I thought I I would do the motorsport engineering side so I studied that um but to be honest just didn't enjoy it enough I didn't have I was trying to kid myself I suppose thinking that I'd be more passionate about that than I was really um, but then as I got further involved with the, the teaching, I realised how rewarding that actually can be. Mm. Um, and uh, studying that in much greater detail and, you know, getting into different areas of it and qualifications and stuff, um, I, I, I think something just switched in my head and I decided I wanted to take that a lot more seriously than, than I had in the past. Um, and I've really enjoyed the journey I've been on and, you know, I've had some great opportunities through through it um yeah I, I mean first and foremost the passion is you know still racing myself but i do love like you know sharing it with like-minded people and helping others and seeing them progress at the same time really. yeah yeah but what, what well it was a bit you? more deliberate with me but not to be a driving instructor or a driving coach it was just i wanted to be i wanted to find a way of being able to be around motorsport and around you know alton park really which mm. is my backyard um, so I went and worked at the racing school there and it was and, it, and I loved it you know and I loved the whole being with the guys and all that kind of stuff I started to take it a bit more seriously when um, as part of being a race instructor we used to go and do stuff with manufacturers I'm sure you mm. did yourself and, and at Alton Park because of one of the senior guys there we, we ended up doing a load of work for a guy called Paul Ripley mm-hmm. and Paul Ripley was all about high performance road driving he wasn't a racing person or a track person at all mm-hmm. Um he was he, he was self-styled. He was he called himself God's chauffeur. A bit of an ego, um, <laughs> and a really uh, outspoken, straight-talking Yorkshireman. Yeah. But anyway, um, he he was looking for people that had racing backgrounds but were qualified to teach on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met some of the guys there who were now some of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, this I'm going back to the sort of mid '90s, I suppose, really. So I thought, okay, there's a bit more to this. So I then qualified to teach on the road. Mm-hmm. And I started to do a mix of things then, a mix of stuff that was track-based and, and road-based uh, that then laid me, led, led me to doing stuff with, with Porsche. Mm. Um, and that, that's what changed it really for me from being just a way of being around driving yeah. to actually learning and understanding how to help other people with it as well. Absolutely. I think when you, because like in the world I was in to start with, 
and no disrespect to anybody starting out who has done that you know it, it, it for me personally I know I wasn't teaching you know back in those days at not the start. at all no 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 there's nothing I think wrong I made a conscious ch- decide to change that though when I started to do my ADI but you're right yeah um, and I think it was it, it was yeah stuff like that to to make you realize that you know just actually instructing somebody isn't on its own no teaching you're not so, teaching them there's so much to it um but even down to just you know building rapport with somebody making them feel comfortable yeah and really knowing um what level to pitch it at and making sure they're having fun and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's taken a long time to really understand it and i think there's still a lot i could learn honestly well, about uh, um, that and about driving because yeah, you never exactly. stop learning about uh, either absolutely. do you and i think to be honest the moment you think you know it all that's when you're holding yourself back anyway yes. but no so i've uh, i've managed to take a lot more pride in what i do with that now than i did when i was younger yeah, absolutely but i think you know like anybody when they're young you, you know at the time i was so focused probably on myself and the racing um that i yeah i didn't focus enough on that until a, a little bit later on really yeah but i'm glad i didn't I mean, it's it's a great industry. To oh, be it in. is. Yeah, it's quite yeah, you unique, meet some cracking isn't it? People and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm, yeah, good stuff. So, moving on then. So, let's have a little look at what's happening in motorsport. So, obviously, being sort of mid-February, the season hasn't massively got going yet, but mm. there are. It's getting there. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly um, you can see a lot more activity now. Yes. Um, it's it's well, in some places it's starting off, isn't it? Like yeah, NASCAR, it's car. Absolutely. Um, but we're still well, dealing rallies. with the sort of politics and the signings and all that kind of stuff. So I think the biggest thing that's happened this week is Lewis has finally signed his contract, yeah. hasn't he? And He's I only under- for one year. Yeah, and I understand. Um, well, obviously, anybody feel free to correct us here, but um, that we don't know how much don't it know, is. No, so they haven't said how much it's uh, for. That's really interesting. <laughs> they yes. haven't said that. Because um, obviously, he demanded obviously naturally quite a lot in his position. Yeah, and only for one year. I mean, that that... Is probably for him to keep his options open. Yes. In many respects, and I well, if he nails his eighth title, do you think he'll knock it on the head then? I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks so, but then it, I think it depends. The cars are then changing so much for the year after. He loves driving. Wouldn't you want? Well, to there's no reason for him not to. He's to... not fifty, is he? You no, know? precisely. And I think we get a bit too obsessed with age in in motorsport. And you know, there's so many drivers that prove that you do not have to be. You know, eighteen. <laughs> you know, yes. to be at your peak or twenty-one or whatever it is. Um, well, I honestly believe, and I've thought this for a while, that he would actually quite relish a fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to just cruise to the title. Great though that is, and it'll go because Schumacher did as well. Schumacher, you don't win seven world titles and fight for each one. Yeah. Generally, you know, because he's not going to win it every time. Yeah. Um, you know, he had dominant cars in the same way that Lewis has, but I think he would actually relish a fight. You know, if oh, Red Bull stepped up or Ferrari any, stepped up. Any racing driver, deep down, obviously, firstly wants to win. Yes. But I think the closer the battle, the harder you have to work, the more rewarding it is as yes. a result. So, yeah, absolutely, I think that. Obviously, he would want to still win. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Like any racing driver, but yeah, exactly. But I don't think you'd run away from a fight. There. Oh, not at all, not at all. But no, I think there's probably, there's a lot on his radar. I I would I would imagine he'll do another year after that because the rules are changing Yeah. with the aero, the cars, all that kind of thing. And it sounds, hopefully, like it would be a little bit more old school in some respects mm. as in closer battles that kind of thing um so i would have thought he'd want to be there for that but at the same time 
he's made it quite public that there's a lot of other things going on in his life as well. That's right. He's almost like he's got a, an eye on what happens next. So part of his contract with Mercedes is about diversity and environment and this. They're all things that he that he believes in, and mm -hmm. he he's obviously got a view that that's what he wants to. He wants to do something with that afterwards, yeah. either in conjunction with Mercedes or on his own, which yeah. is which is fair enough. You know, he's absolutely. And I mean, I quite admire that. Um, he he's very he believes what he does and he's very passionate about yeah. that and pushes for that and I, I totally get that I understand he gets a lot of criticism at the same time especially when it comes to environmental issues and things obviously being a Formula 1 driver and that kind of thing um, but that said I think it's tricky because you know it doesn't mean you can't improve things just because you're no you and he's got a platform driver, hasn't he so you know, why not so, use that absolutely so um so i don't certainly don't blame him for that and i no. think fair play you know um okay like many of us don't i don't agree with all his views on everything but who who you know well, that's who, true anyway yeah, absolutely exactly. you don't agree with all mine <laughs> yeah exactly so um <laughs> but you know so um it'll be interesting to see what happens going forwards but yeah i think he wants to keep the door open for many things, whether it's a different team, different challenge, or like you say, maybe knock it on the head altogether and, and do something else. But I think you'll certainly see him in motorsport for a long time, whether it will be always in a car. Yes. Um, I think he's trying to line himself up for, for roles within, like you say, Mercedes or whatever yeah. it might be going forward. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yes, that's it. So, so um, the other big signing that's happened this week is um, Peugeot have announced their 2022 uh, WEC lineup, mm. and that's quite interesting because they've gone for kind of big names within that sphere of motorsport. Really, yeah. you think they they've signed Magnussen, so mm. Kevin Magnussen's gone off to learn about sports cars in mm. IMSA. Yeah. Peugeot, I would imagine, would think right, we need we need the best guys we can get. So we've yeah. got got here, we've got John Eric Verne, mm -hmm. who was seeded number two in the world by mm -hmm. Autosport a couple of years ago, yeah. and Paul Deresta, yeah. you know, really strong lineup. And obviously oh, there's some other trans yeah. like Deval and people like that yeah. backing that up. Well, I think- But that's um, a really strong lineup there. Absolutely, well, I think Magnussen proved that at IMSA the, the other week, you know, what he's capable of. And I think he's always been incredibly capable. Yeah. Just, um, Unfortunately, Formula One, if you haven't got a car that's quick enough, you, you kind of get a bit overlooked, really. Yes. Um, not necessarily within uh, the team and, and the other drivers and things, but when it comes to outside of that. Um, I think it, I think it's a new era for sports cars. Um, it is. It's a bit of an unusual one, though, because we've got this we've got this kind of fork in the road now where we've got the LMDH, the yeah. Le Mans Daytona hybrids, yeah. and we've got the Le Mans hypercars. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though, so looking at who's confirmed for hypercar, so hypercar is a bit more like it was where you've got to build your own chassis, whatever engine you want to put in it, you know, decide whether you want high resistance, all that kind of stuff. So much freer rule set. Um, and you've got Toyota and Peugeot confirming that. But then loads of niche ones. So Bicola is a team. Mm -hmm. They've, they're building yeah. one. Glickenhausen are building one. Mm -hmm. So strange thing. Where the LMDH is the route that Porsche have gone down, mm. which I thought you know they might You'd have gone hypercar, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because exactly. um, LMDH, they actually have to select a chassis. They select a chassis. They get given a hybrid system. They get given a gearbox. Yeah, exactly. So um, they almost have less involvement. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. Some, not obviously. No, in many ways they don't. But well, then they're ways. going to go through this whole balance of performance thing, which is brilliantly well in GT to a point. Yeah. I, I think it's apart fabulous. From Le Mans. <laughs> apart from Le Mans, which is a bit odd. 
Yeah, that, yeah. that didn't work out. But so they're going for balance of form. Anyway. <laughs> no, absolutely. Why? Why they did that? Where they? Well, the, what's happened, and I know we're we're going off a bit on a tangent here, but I think unfortunately what started to happen, I, I think balance of performance is a great thing to have, but you cannot bring it in that late. So. You cannot bring something in after qualifying and, and no, penalise that car's quick is therefore we're going to make it slower. Because what starts to fair. happen now is they sandbag the whole time. You know? Well, that was and my point. So if you're going to end up with the hybrid hypercars and the and the LMDH cars sandbagging like crazy, mm. you know. So that's it. That's where that's I not think work. I think balance performance works really well, but they need to have worked that out um, at an earlier point, and they then you know then it has to stop. You yes. can't then after qualifying because all that happens is nobody wants to be on pole because they know no. they can't win the race and Le Mans, <laughs> and Le Mans isn't the first round of the championship so by mm. the time they'll have done Silverstone they'll have done the Spa round however it works mm. they'll have a better idea then of the of the pace of the cars in the in the in traffic and in the races mm. and over a stint mm. so that's when they need to be set before they get to exactly. France exactly I think that's really really crucial but yeah it's, it's interesting really seeing you know like you say Porsche are going LMDH, but I think it's really exciting for sports cars that we're going to have oh, two yeah. two categories like this in you know um, IMSA and in WEC and and so on. And I think you're going to see a lot of manufacturers really focusing uh, on that as well. So and there's um, talk of Audi coming back, I think. So Audi yeah. and Porsche going. Oh, it's definitely definitely it, it sort of had a few weird, yeah, years where it kind of dwindled hmm. away a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it'd be great to see the big names back, and um, I think you'll see a lot more. Formula One drivers again moving back over to that, you know, once they've had their time in F1. So, yeah, um, I really can't wait to see it, to be honest. No, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, it'd be great. Um, I mean, talking of Audi, we move on to road cars a little bit. They've mm. they've launched their new Audi e-tron GT, mm. which is a really yeah. cool looking thing. And yeah, it is actually based on a Taycan. Well, it's not it, based on a Taycan. It shares the same platform as Taycan. Yeah, I was going to say. So it's got the same what floor pan and. Basic architecture is what they've said. Right. So it looks a bit like a Taycan, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it seems to have gone down well very quickly, hasn't it? From Nico the Rosberg was shouting its praises. So mm. whether he's had something to do with, because it will be different the way that the the Volkswagen Group works. It will be different to a Taycan. Well, it, it won't just be a Taycan with an Audi badge it on, will it? Has to be in a way. It has to be. You yes. Know, because it, it certainly well why why go get a Taycan otherwise. You know, so it has. They have to make sure that each manufacturer. I know they share a lot of things, um, and it makes sense to. But they can't really just have the the same car with different badges. No. And I know sometimes people think that, but actually underneath there's a lot more going on, isn't there? Um, like we know with something like a Macan and a Q5, how different they feel. You know, uh, but yeah, on that's the outside right. you'd think they're the same, really, with a different you badge. Would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> uh, but not at all. And so, that's what's portrayed sometimes with yeah. with with platform sharing cars. Um, you know, it's just a Q5. Mm. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's you engineered differently. The engines know. are different. The way the gearboxes work are different. Exactly. You know. So that yeah. So with this, it, I'd love to drive one because obviously we've done quite a bit in the Taycan. Yeah. Um, which has been a great experience because I mean, I'm a massive petrol head and a bit of a dinosaur with this kind of stuff. So, um, so, uh, but I'm doing my absolute best to really keep an open mind and really you know try these cars and uh, and the Taycan's been incredibly impressive so I'm sure yeah. the e-tron um, equally will be as impressive it'll be interesting to see the uptake on it um, so price right wise it's it's like 80 90 grand it starts at okay. which is Taycan money 
you know yeah. so the new two-wheel drive Taycan is is less than that yeah but I guess that's a two-wheel drive yeah and, you know so. Audi with the Quattro they probably won't build it I don't know they might not build a two-wheel drive yeah. one I don't know yeah so yeah well I mean yeah, it's, it's, it's big money but I suppose yeah really the Taycan's more isn't it much Went down your book bits on added, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Added some key essentials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in with the new, out with the old. Twenty five mm. years since the Elise came out. Can you believe that? Mm, I know. <laughs> I remember yeah. spending so, thousands of hours in those at uh, Bruntingthorpe. So what's the deal? So they're stopping. Yeah, so it's it's comes to come to its end. There's basically. a whole new range of Lotus cars coming out. So Elise and Exige okay. are both are both finished. So they're going out on a high. There's some really quite cool sort of limited edition ones coming okay. out but okay. i think when you read all the articles about the you know, that are around at the moment about this and the press mm. releases they've been struggling mm. yeah lotus just don't sell cars mm. which is really sad but it's such a niche thing i think especially these days because yeah. if you th- if you think back even not that long ago let's say 20 years ago you know how cars in general just weren't in general as refined you know no. none of the cars were that comfortable and they had their quirks and but the, you know most manufacturers now it's such a high standard and i think it's changed a lot of people's mindset in general mm. you know um so i, I mean lotus are, i mean the cars are mega to drive they are yeah but they are also you know difficult in the fact that they're not comfortable and that kind of thing so it's certainly a second type of car isn't it mm. for most people anyway um, and then you've got all these other things out there now that are, you know yeah. you could almost have as an well, everyday like car and give you that kind of yes. fun I mean, factor at the same time. That's kind of what you're up against. Yeah, so current MX-5, great little thing to drive. You know, it's Japanese. It's never going to break down. It's always going to it's going to be watertight when you put the roof on. All those kind of things mm. for fifteen twenty grand. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you, then they want forty grand for an Elise. Mm. You know, you're pushing it a bit really at that point. And I know they're a different a shame animal because but... they are such a driver's car. Yeah, they're yeah. Mega mega cars, but very like say, focused car, but like little race cars, aren't they? Yeah, and that's what's so great about them. But like you say, that's very niche, and I think it's a great track day car. Um, it's if it's you know just purely pleasure car for the road on a nice sunny day, that kind of thing, great. But overall, um, that like you say is quite a small audience and mm. I think we're getting very spoiled with cars now that we can have a car that almost does everything. Yes. So we can have a car that is compliant but really sporty and you could do five hundred miles in it but also take it on the track and yes. you know, and that's where I think Lotus will struggle. Yeah, so it's interesting to see what they come out with next. So then I talking about new Elise and things like that. Uh, not Elise, um Esprit. Mm-hmm. And so a bit more upmarket mm-hmm. where they can make a bit more. Well profit that's on it, really what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. Is go a bit more upmarket and then charge a bit more. Yeah. Okay. It then needs to be able to do all the things that I just said probably. Yes. <laughs> um, well we'll see we'll see. Be a bit more rounder at the same time. Um because I just think that's people's expectations now, yeah. sadly. Is they want a driver's car but they want all the convenient bits too. You know? yeah, that's right. So that's kind of yeah, they don't want to be getting wet. starting and... to change, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I mean, it's well, it's a new era, isn't it, for them? And hopefully that's a good thing in some respects. But it'll be sad to see these cars go, because, um, I mean, gosh, especially with what we do, they're a familiar vehicle, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, special uh, little things. I remember the Mark 1s, I did loads in the Mark 1s at, at Bruntingthorpe. Mm. 
and they were great, you know. And I thought I could do, I could, I could, I could, I could make this work. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I could, because all I did was drive up down motorways. Yeah, loads yeah. of leases. The last car you want with that? Yeah, but no, I do love them. So let's see what happens. Yeah. So talking of old things, then, if you had to pick an old car, <laughs> a famous car, I should say, not an old car, a famous car, what would you, what would, you, what would you pick to drive? <laughs> a famous car yes um well what comes to mind straight away because this is where i'm not very good with this you've probably got um many famous cars that come to mind there's only one that wants to drive <laughs> whereas i seem to be like thinking like batmobile or something which is not what i want to drive um <laughs> so um <laughs> uh, no what what for me would be so bad boys the film with will smith and so on uh, the black 964 turbo oh yeah yeah um because well will smith makes like, most things look cool anyway to be yeah, fair yeah but uh yeah for me as a as a kid watching i love that film anyway um but that car oh, yeah so for me uh it would be that specific yeah car. well i'd go with that yeah, yeah. So, i mean I, lo I love 964 so it's actually a new love of mine actually yes you're pretty um, cool you're a, you're a late adopter to the 964 aren't yeah, you yeah well not because i dislike them or anything like that i just hadn't driven one so no. i didn't I always assumed they'd feel, this going to sound off, but quite old and clunky and always difficult to drive. It's a and, Porsche. And, and <laughs> it's so not any of those no. things. And I mean, gosh, when I last got in one, a, a client's one, I just thought, this is such a great car. Yeah. You know, such a great car. So for me, that, yeah. Well, that it's funny with Porsche because I, I was quite fortunate to, to do some races in a Lotus Cortina. Mm which was 1963, I think that car was. Uh, and that felt like an old car. And all it ever did was unzip and unbrake and things yeah. would fall off and that kind of stuff. So the guy who owned it swapped it then for a 65 911. Mm. And it was unbelievable how the, the build, the build bear in mind they were the same kind of age. Yeah, the yeah. difference in build quality from a, mm -hmm. you know, a 50-year-old 911 compared yeah. to a 50-year-old Ford was yeah. astonishing, you know. Wow, difference between yeah. German engineering. Solid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. No, exactly. So for me, that would be a very, very cool car. Hopefully it's still around. I'm sure it is, but somewhere. Yeah, yeah I think it's for sale. I think I've seen is that it? somewhere, yeah. What, that specific actual car, car, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah uh, but it's been we... ragged by Will Smith, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, for me, it was always a General Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always wanted to drive the General Lee. In fact, I wrote to Jim will fix it to drive it. Fortunately, Jim will didn't fix it. <laughs> Dodged a bit of a bullet there, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. Probably shouldn't get onto that topic. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, quite. but why would you want to drive that, though? Because is it actually a... Because I just love the Dukes of Hazard, And it was... And every time it, could, it, it it was on the screen, it was either going sideways or leaping a brook. You know, it was... It was <laughs> But was it, it was really? Just mega. <laughs> well, you could see it land and banana when it landed, you know. So then there's any Dodge Chargers left in the world because the Dukes have had to smash them all up. I've never really understood that when I try to watch it. I think, what is the point of this program? Oh, there was no point to it. And what <laughs> always made me laugh was like... they would crash it. Quite often they would crash it and then they'd whoop and holler and that was great as well and then they'd rebuild it and off they'd go again. So they never made, you know, pretended that they weren't, you know, that it wasn't a used car. You yeah. know, they, they would have forever crashed it. But... I'm sure so, there's many replicas of it. Oh, around absolutely, in the yeah. States, they always look a bit incongruous when you see them in the UK, yeah. though. They don't look quite well, right. I always think that, though, in general, with they American cars, like a, I, I actually have a, a soft spot for muscle cars and American cars. And um, when you're over in the States, you start to think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get one of these. That's great. But then, of course, coming back home, you think, actually, I'm going to look yeah, it just a little work. bit odd, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. <laughs> yeah. Out and about, you know, in uh, Cheshire or. Northamptonshire, <laughs> whatever. In yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'd have, I'd have a Corvette. 
So moving on to talking about driving then for a little while, um, this week we decided to record a little lockdown video, didn't we? We did, yeah. Well, um, at the moment, unfortunately, we can't venture far, can we? Uh, no. And do much when it comes to videos and a channel. And But we're trying to be creative and, and use what we've got right now <laughs> and what we can do. So, yeah, we've been doing um, videos called Driving Gems. Whether they actually are, I don't know. Um, but we did one on heel and toe. So oh, it's only, what, 10 minutes? Something like that? It's not that. even that. Yeah, it's, a bit less yeah, than that. it's about five minutes. Um, and, and we're just experimenting with it at the moment, aren't we? So we recorded just on an iPhone, just driving down the road, yeah. chatting about heel and toe. And yeah, because well, it's, it's something we both get asked about a lot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we do, yeah. You know, with, with heel and toe. Okay, it, in many respects, it's a dying art, and uh, which is a shame in many ways. But, of course, with the way the technology is going, more autos and, you know, as you've mentioned before, so auto blip as well on, yeah. on manual cars. So there's less of a need to do it. Um, but I think anybody that loves driving that has a manual um still you know deep down wants to be able yes. to achieve that and i do think it's something that you should have in your tool bag you should be able to do it absolutely especially if you think then you can drive any car you know? yes um well I, there's two things that and left at braking i think are two things yes. that if you want to you know be as advanced as you can be those are two you know good things to have in your yeah. toolbox like you said yes um so yeah so we we decided just to do a nice short video because there's a lot of obviously driving videos out there um, and really good ones as well but it can be quite lengthy so these are just like short snippets to to give uh, people an idea but how why would you say Hill and Toe is important? Well for the reasons we've said in that it's a it's a big part of interacting with the car but the idea of 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 Hill and Toe um, when you're changing down through the gears obviously there's a mismatch in the rev so you're driving along in fourth or fifth gear say you're doing fifth gear and the car's doing just 1200 revs if you wanted to go down to third gear there's a mismatch so what the engine something's going to have to speed that engine up mm. uh, and generally when you bring the clutch up it's the momentum of the drivetrain of the car and everything else that does that and of course the effect is it, it slows the car down if you do it suddenly if you're driving quickly for example you want to get the clutch back up again mm. it's going to make the car jerk absolutely so you want to rev match the revs using the throttle heel and toe is essentially rev matching while you're braking so while you're braking hard for a for a slow corner while you're braking, what you do is you move across, you roll across, and you bring the revs up with the same foot, so that you can then drop the clutch, and there's, there's, it takes away that sharpness and, and what's blends everything in. Hard about it is the timing, and also because you obviously you're using one foot for two pedals, yes. so that's not yeah. easy. And trying to have consistent brake pressure, uh, but also get the right amount of blip on the on the gas pedal. And get the clutch up at the, uh, at the right point. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's really hard to try and explain this on a podcast. But you know, um, if it's something that interests you, we've done a video. We'll do other videos as well uh, on just little things like that. Um, yeah, to hopefully help people enjoy their driving even more, especially as we hopefully ease out of lockdown and we can get back yeah. to enjoying sort of driving around the country and further so if, so if there are any techniques that you'd like us to talk about or you'd like us to explain more of um we can do that on here just drop us a line or we can make a little film of it we'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it, really. absolutely any any yeah topics at all anything uh please feel free to email in um you know on the website or 
um however you want to get in touch really you can do it on social media um yeah whatever suits lovely so we'll be back with you next week there's plenty going on um it's the daytona 500 this weekend um so we'll have a little look at that alex baldwin's on pole isn't he yeah he's on pole for that um, so we'll see how that that goes don't think it means a lot really in that no it probably doesn't really (laughs) at the daytona 500 but still (laughs) well what they've started to do in nascar we will talk about this more next week is is break the race down to stages so yeah we'll talk a bit about that next week um, there's a few things coming up isn't there yeah. the um the world rally coming and up, yeah. absolutely some big stuff happening still so, starting to kick off slowly. yeah exactly so um that but then of course um uh, we'll talk about more things to do with cars yeah in general car you know, road cars, absolutely um yeah and uh, more driving techniques too yeah so drop us a line see what tell us what you think uh, and we will see you next time thank you for listening to us Thank you for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast, Fast and Fluid Conversation with Kat MP and Richard Bott. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode of the Veloce Podcast.